I'm Kate Daniels. Sleep. Are you getting enough? And if not, why not? It's quite critical to our overall health. So here is an expert in the field of brain health with sleep being critical to this. We're fortunate to have with us Dr. Colonel Michael Lewis, U.S. Army retired, to help us understand more about sleep and about our brain. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Good morning, Kate. How are you doing? Well, I am doing well, but uh, considering that our conversation will have a lot to do with sleep, my last night of sleep was not uh, the ideal. So, But still, I'm feeling quite good and looking forward to our conversation this morning. <laughs> well, excellent. I'm looking forward to it as well. So mentioning that one little part about not getting enough sleep, that is perhaps a key thing that we could just mention right out of the gate here as to what is ideal in terms of hours of sleep. Well, it's different for everybody, but uh, it's pretty well accepted that give or take uh, eight hours of sleep a night is optimal. So seven to nine hours, you know, pick eight in the middle there, uh, which is can be frustrating because we all know that one person that seems to only get four hours of sleep and they seem to be thriving all the time. They're just really energy, but they're really the exception. For the most part, people need a good eight hours of sleep. And the interesting thing is, oh, actually now it's some decades ago, I had been going through some trainings that really suggested that, oh, we didn't need that much sleep. You know, we could find other ways of doing some good relaxation, meditation, that would suffice and we'd be able to function on a lot less sleep and get a lot more done. But you're saying some people can function on four hours, but really, does that work? Well, you know, they have, first of all, they're, they're the absolute exception. They tend to have, you know, high metabolism to be very, tend to be very hyper, but at what expense? And so if you're always going at that kind of speed, basically you're going to wear your body out sooner or later. And so I, I think that it'd be interesting to, to see if there's ever been a study. I haven't really looked at it, but uh, people that sleep four or five hours a night, what's their lifespan? Do they die younger than people or do they live a, a typical lifespan? So we don't necessarily want to be the test subject to uh, to see if that is going to be the result. So the ideal thing, as you said, is somewhere from seven to nine hours of sleep to be rested. But in these times, during these, this pandemic, it seems that sleep is even more critical in terms of our health other than just rest. Well, you have to realize our body uses the time at night while we're sleeping to repair itself. And if you're lacking in that that opportunity to have your body repair itself, it's that damage is going to accumulate. And so um, you really need that rest and relaxation, that deep REM sleep, that ability to allow your body to recover from, you know, a full day of stress and exposure to everything from radiation from the sun to toxins that we breathe just from the air, all kinds of things. And that's why rest and sleep 
is important is, you know, it's when our certain hormones surge, like our growth hormone surges in the middle of the night to be able to really foster that repair. And if we're not getting a good night's sleep, if we're tossing and turning, we're really interrupting that repair process. And I suppose that we're going to have some challenges with getting that good night's sleep just by nature of the stresses we feel because of all the uncertainty surrounding COVID-19. Absolutely. And, you know, that's as if there wasn't enough stress in the world or in our lives. Um, it certainly seems like over the last couple of years, it just continues to accelerate. And, you know, a little bit of stress is important. Otherwise, you just have lethargy if you have no stress in your life. And so, you know, you need a certain amount of stress, but it's a bell-shaped curve. You, you want to be at that peak when you really need to be on and dealing. You know, you want enough stress to make you highly functioning when you need to be highly functioning and then back off, not pushed over to the other side of the hill where you have too much stress. And unfortunately, that's where we are. We are bombarded 24 hours a day with news and opinion, and most of it's bad. And this just continues to stress us out. Then on top of it, you had an election year where people seem to be more radical about what's going on in politics. And then add into it (laughs) COVID-19. Now, everybody's really stressed out about things. And, you know, if you have little kids, they're they're home from school. They're not going, you know, off to give you a break for school. Or if you're worried, you know, you may be worried about your job situation or you may have lost your job. There's just so many things that are really stressing us out. And chronic high-level stress like that, is really just flooding our bodies with uh, adrenaline and cortisol and these these hormones and chemicals that were really intended to be more fight or flight. You know, from back, you know, in the cave, caveman days, you know, you went out hunting and you had to have that rush energy if you saw a tiger on the trail. Do you run or do you fight it? And uh, we don't need that kind of stress. So there are certain strategies we can do to try to undo some of that. First of all is just get away from the stress. Just turn off the TV, turn off the news. And social media has really accelerated it, uh, particularly in the last two or three years where we got an hour of news and 23 hours of opinions on 6,000 different television channels and on top of that, now we've got all our friends who are now all of a sudden experts in epidemiology and infectious diseases telling us what we should do and not do on social media. It's just too much. We have to learn to turn it off. And that's, you know, to be not burying our heads in the sand for sure. But 24 hours a day is a bit much, isn't it? Well, it is. And you remember when we were kids, and it wasn't really that long ago, that you got the morning newspaper and maybe watched the evening news. That was plenty. Um, You know, you want to keep informed, but you don't need it day in, day out. You you walk into an office building and in the lobby, they've got TVs on different news channels going all the time. (laughs) You know, it's just it's just too much and we have to take some time for ourselves and that really starts with 
turning off the news and tuning out, keep informed, but tuning tuning out the 23 hours of noise that's out there. We're not, you know, we get one hour of news maybe a day and 23 hours of opinion mm-hmm. about the news. And it's on the left, it's on the right, it's from every different direction. And it's just opinion about, nobody reports the news anymore. They just, you know, talk, uh, give their opinion about the news. Right. So that is a really good baseline to establish. Let's mention a few other things that we should guard against in order to make sure that we get some good sleep. Well, you know, it almost always goes back to the two absolute foundation basics of a good, healthy life. And that's eating well or eating right or eating healthy uh, and regular exercise. You sleep so much better if you're exercising during the day or, you know, intentionally, whether it's for 10 minutes or for one or two hours. But it, one of the things we, you know, we're sitting behind desks for the most part or sitting on the couch watching the news uh, <laughs> when we really should be, you know, take that opportunity. Uh, listen, if you're, if you're stuck at home because your work environment has changed, as an example, or you're working from home where you used to go to an office, instead of sitting at the, at, in your cubicle, now you're sitting at a, com- at a computer at home. You have to learn to take time for yourself. And that really means you know, take a half hour um, and go for a walk outside. Get some fresh air. Get some sunshine. At least do something. Take a walk to get some exercise. If you're not going to do intense exercise where you're breaking a sweat and getting your heart rate up, that's the best. And it doesn't mean go to the gym for three hours. I'm talking, you know, 20, 30 minutes of good intense exercise can be great. And it's going to help you sleep so much better at night. And then don't destroy all that good exercise by eating junk food. Um, You know, eat fresh, healthy food. Focus on fruits and vegetables. Add in some lean proteins. Add in some seafood. You're in the Pacific Northwest. You've got the greatest seafood in the world, um, you know, focus on that. Stay away from the processed foods, the artificial coloring, the flavoring, the sodas, diet sodas, or even the worst. I, you know, people say, oh, I eat healthy, but I drink, you know, a six-pack of diet whatever. <laughs> like, do you have any idea the amount of chemicals you're taking in? Drink water, drink black coffee, drink good green tea. Um but really take this time to focus on yourself. And that really means eating a much healthier, fresher diet um, and getting some regular exercise. And you'll be shocked at how much that helps you sleep better at night. Very simple, very doable, really. And one of the things that people might resort to is thinking, oh, well, a glass of wine or some alcohol will help me to sleep better. But that's a fallacy, is it not? It really is. Uh, first of all, alcohol is kind of needless sugar calories, if you will. Um, our body, they have the actual alcohol molecule has no medicinal um, value for our bodies. They're just empty calories. So it's calories you probably don't need anyway. But what happens is it really, especially if you have a couple of drinks 
in the evening before you go to bed, it really messes with your sleep patterns. And I know that if I had a couple, a couple of drinks before I've gone to bed, I generally, I wake up when the alcohol is finally out of my system and that's in the middle of the night. And so that can't be healthy and it just interrupts your sleep pattern. And it's an artificial sleep pattern that's not nearly as healthy for you as a good natural sleep. So some really excellent tips that are going to help us to get that ideal seven to nine hours of sleep because it is really restorative. And especially during this time when we are really facing such health issues, it's so critical. Which brings me to the point which I was so fascinated to learn that you, Dr. Lewis, as retired military, having been in the U.S. Army uh, as a colonel, were stationed in the Middle East and were doing research uh, in and to infectious diseases. Well, yes, I was uh, not in the Middle East, but in Southeast Asia, ah. and uh, I was trained by the Army through Johns Hopkins University and the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research in public health and preventive medicine with a focus on international public health and international infectious diseases. And while I was at Walter Reed, I created a system that's used now. We see it every day, actually. It's, it's um, uh, a system that's based on looking at symptoms because when you go to the emergency room, you don't go with a diagnosis, you go with a symptom, a fever, a headache, and it captures those symptoms and tries to determine algorithmically if there's an outbreak or an abnormality to many cases. So my reward for that was to be stationed in Thailand, and my job was to run around Asia looking for partners, government, military, private hospitals, just partnerships to look for new and interesting infectious diseases to let the world know about them. It was part of, at the time, which was new, was the Department of Defense getting involved in global emerging infectious diseases. And I happened to be there during, you know, the 2003 SARS outbreak, as well as some of the early stages of the bird flu. So these these were pretty uh, major events that went on. But I think we here uh, in North America felt what would I say insulated from it? We we didn't necessarily feel the dip, deep impacts that, of course, now this is a pandemic and we're really experiencing it. So you already had that experience of being there. How do we navigate then um, what we're going through right now? Well, the two most important things that we could do on a very personal level is to not stress out about it or have an appropriate stress response to it. And we, we talked about that, you know, just with the things that you can do to to keep you from being overwhelmed by the stress of this and that's that's a huge ask of anybody but the other thing that's probably even just as important is how do we fight any disease any infectious disease it's our immune system 
and stress hurts our immune system. So, so it's kind of ironic that we're stressing out about this virus and that hurts our immune system's ability to respond and fight this, the very thing that we're stressing out about. So that's very intimately related, the stress and our immune function and inflammation. And so the ability to keep our immune system strong and healthy is absolutely important. And, you know, you wonder why, why some people are getting sick and some people aren't getting sick or there's asymptomatic or some people just don't ever even really get it. Um, you know, younger people are generally have a healthier, more robust immune system, whereas our older population, are, their immune systems have started to wane. And so, that's one of the big risk factors of why they're having a, a horrible response to this virus and why it's really affecting our older population is they don't have the, the immune system that they had when they were young and healthy. So it's really, really important to keep our immune system strong and healthy, and we do that through, guess what, diet, exercise, and good sleep. The three very fundamental parts of our life. And thinking about then uh, the older population, and they talk about uh, underlying conditions. So an older person who is pretty much healthy, uh, is their immune system somewhat deteriorated just because of age? It it does um, age does affect a lot of things, uh, everything from our hormone function to our, uh, our immune function. And so absolutely, age, our ability to keep our immune system strong becomes more difficult as we get older. But also, we tend to not be as active as we get older. Um, and I'm talking retirement age and beyond where that's even it's even more important to be active both physically and mentally keeping our brain function healthy by doing something that's going to be stimulating um our brain function but getting out again and and exercising one of the things you know that I always talk to especially my older patients is about lifting weights or doing resistance exercises, everything, you know, anything from push-ups to um, exercise bands to going to the gym and actually lifting weights. It's so much more important actually for our older population to maintain muscle mass and neuromuscular control. We all know the, you know, the stories of an older person that falls and breaks their hip. And next thing you know, they die a month or two later. It's, you know, so we got to keep up our muscle mass and keep our, our, um, our neuromuscular control to be able to age really well. Uh, it gets, you know, it all ties in together, our immune function, our, our ability to uh, keep our balance and not fall and keep our brains healthy. These are just all healthy living things that we should be doing and setting the habits, not when we're older, but these are habits that we need to establish when we're young and middle-aged and keep them going throughout life if you want to live a good, healthy life. 
we all want to live a good, healthy life right up to the end. And you know, unfortunately, the amount of obesity and the amount of chronic disease that we have in this country is absolutely out of control, and we're not a healthy population. And I think that's one of the big reasons why we're seeing such a devastation with this virus is because our underlying baseline population health is horrible in this country. And we certainly hear enough about it, but it's one thing to hear about it and another to really take action and do something about it. But we need to keep being reminded, and I feel that that is something that you're really establishing for us again this morning, Dr. Lewis, to to really have control over this and and to start at a young age, of course, is, is the ideal. Well, it's a choice. And no matter what age you are, you can choose to start today to change your habits and hopefully change them to be good habits. Um, And it's a choice. We, you know, unfortunately, I say we're a victim of our own success as a society. You know, we, you know, if you just look at the last 75 years, we, you know, we conquered the world in World War II, you know, defeated the Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. And, you know, then we went on to to you know conquer polio and smallpox with vaccines and a- antibiotics came on the scene and we were looked like we could even wipe out infectious diseases and we had to roll back malaria program around the world and then we put a man on the moon and there's nothing we couldn't do and we keep thinking that we could just live a unhealthy lifestyle and eat whatever we want and do whatever we want. But, you know, we're American and somebody's going to come up with that magic pill or that magic shot that's just going to undo all the bad choices I've made in my life. It doesn't work that way. We've got to make better choices in life. You have to take personal, personal responsibility for your health. Don't expect the government to do it for you. Don't expect your doctor to do it for you. You have to take personal responsibility to for your health and make a decision that you are going to live a healthy lifestyle. And even if you haven't, you can start today. Great. It's like we have a fresh slate. Each day is that. And, and make these choices as you're encouraging us to do so that we can be as healthy as as we possibly can for as long as possible. Absolutely. And and it really comes back to personal responsibility. Don't expect somebody to have that magic answer for you and don't expect the doctor to just go in um, and write a prescription and give you a magic pill that's going to undo years of overeating and 50 pounds of excess weight and lack of exercise. The doctor is not going to be able to do that for you. I I always lecture my patients that I could give you a prescription for anything and you still have to make a decision that you're going to go to the pharmacy and get, get it fulfilled. And then you got to take it home. And then you got to remember to take it, you know, as prescribed every day at any point you could decide you don't want to do that. So your health is in your hands. Exactly. So we have that option. It's our choice to do that, to learn, to become the best 
selves that we can possibly be. You, you have specialized uh, with the uh, book that you've written, When Brains Collide, obviously in brain health. Um, and what this makes me think of is uh, concussions. Is that what brain, When Brains Collide is about? It's it's really the foundation of uh, what it's about and how we can use nutrition and nutri- good nutritional habits to reverse and undo some of the damage that we often see with concussions and traumatic brain injury. But these things are also applicable to everyday life and just brain health in general, how to optimize your brain health. And you got to remember, stress, we talked about, you know, how stress basically releases hormones, you know, like cortisol and adrenaline. And these are chemicals that are going throughout our body that can cause essentially brain damage as well. And so I, when I kind of list the causes of traumatic brain injury, sure, it could be football and soccer and ice hockey, car accidents and falls and slip in the bathtub or shower, but also it's chemotherapy and it's chronic stress. And chronic stress is like bad chemotherapy and that causes that brain fog or what we call chemo brain for anybody that's been on chemotherapy. These are all forms of traumatic brain injury that can be addressed and can be improved and can be optimized with good nutrition. And that's what when brain the book When Brains Collide goes into is how to very target very much target nutrition and nutritional interventions to help recover and optimize our brain health. And I did hear you t- say that excessive stress is very detrimental to the brain. And, and that cycles back to, you know, the t- this time that we're living in and what that additional stress can do and why we need to manage it. I, I couldn't have said that better. Uh, we really, it's, it, it's just so much as a society but you know at the individual level we have to learn how to deal with the stress around us we have to learn how to manage it um you know the idea of you, know, you don't have to go sit on a mountaintop with your legs crossed uh, chanting weird chants to do meditation meditation can be as something as simple as imagine if everybody just right as they're listening to this just stops what they're doing and takes three really slow, deep breaths in and hold it for a second or two and then slowly let that breath out. Do that three times, you'll be shocked at how much, how you, how much that affects you, how much better you feel with just three slow, deep breaths. That's a great form of meditation. I, I say meditation is really about focusing on your breathing. Um, your loved ones go take a you know take a walk in the woods if you can get out into nature and do it with loved ones if you can you're getting fresh air hopefully some sunshine um but you're you know with people that you love and you got that social interaction one of the things about the whole covid-19 situation in particular with kids in school is what are we doing with our kids 
I, you know, the social interaction, it's, it's the fabric of any society. And here we are so afraid of this virus. We're taking social interaction away from our children. What are they learning from this? And you know, I, I'm afraid for future generations. A very valid point. And sadly, we just have such limited time. So you have a foundation, a great website where we can get further information about you and your work, and that is? Well, when I retired from the Army, I started a nonprofit to educate and try to influence research in this area of brain health. And so the website for the nonprofit is brainhealtheducation.org. That's brainhealtheducation.org. And you have another website to, or well, another entity to suggest uh, where people can get further information too. Well, absolutely. I know, you know, especially our younger population, uh, they're much more into YouTube and videos and podcasts and things like that. And so, uh, you know, if you like that format, go on to the YouTube channel, look up CV Sciences, C as in Charlie, V as in Victor. TV Sciences channel on YouTube. Lots of great information there about nutrition and supplements and health and diet and all kinds of great information there about how to live a healthier life. Well, Dr. Colonel Michael Lewis, you have given us a great deal of information this morning. I trust now people will take this, embrace it, and live it. You truly are an inspiration. Thank you for the work you're doing and for taking time with us this morning. Oh, my pleasure, Kate. And hopefully, you know, one or two people out there listen to us and, uh, and will make those changes that they need to, to live a better and healthier life. And the ripple will go outward, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you. It has been wonderful sharing this time with you. All right, Kate. It's been my pleasure.